I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. All opinions and discussions on the podcast are purely individual experience, so please consult a doctor or medical professional for more information. Welcome to the Shake It Up Show, a podcast in partnership with Shake It Up Australia Foundation for Parkinson's Research, where we speak to people whose lives have been impacted by Parkinson's disease and hear their stories. My name is Amy Louise Ruffle. I'm an actor, comedian, podcaster, and most importantly, a proud Shake It Up Australia ambassador in support of my dad who lives with Parkinson's. My guest this week is joining us all the way from New York City, where they are a director of clinical research at the Michael J. Fox Foundation, currently managing the Global Parkinson's Genetics Program. So it's a huge guest for the show, and I'm thrilled to welcome Jay Sully to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Truly an honor to to be able to join you today. Oh, this is so exciting for us, and I can't wait to dive into all of the, the chat about work. But before we do get into that, just give the listeners a bit of an idea of like, what's life like outside of work for you? What are your interests? All of that kind of stuff. You know, one of the things that I love working about at the Michael J. Fox Foundation is that I feel like everybody has really fun passions outside of work that we get to pursue. Uh, and mine is running. Uh, not only do I signed up for three marathons at the moment that I'm training for, uh, I also am on the board of directors of uh, a group called Frontrunners New York, which is the largest LGBTQ running club in the world, actually. Um, and so a huge passion and joy of mine. I think everybody at the foundation knows that when I'm not working, I'm doing something running related. <laughs> so where are you at? With, when's the next marathon and where are you at in that training cycle? I'll be running the Chicago Marathon on October 8th, uh, which is coming up right around the corner. My coach thinks that I should be training harder, but right now I'm just making sure that I still enjoy all my training and get to the finish line without any injuries. Yeah, that's the hard part, isn't it? Making sure you're ready on the day. My favorite question then related to training stuff is, what is your favorite carb loading meal? My favorite carb loading meal? That's a really tough question. (laughs) I think my favorite carb loading meal has to be a good Italian chicken panjan. You got the pasta, you got some protein, and it just gets you ready to go for the next day. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. I remember when I was in New York, I've never eaten better or worse, whichever way you want to look at it. But the amount of good food you have access to in that city, it's so hard to stay like focused on nutrition. You can carb load for a week and be perfectly happy. It's so good. Okay, well, exciting times in October. We'll be thinking of you uh, when you embark on that big old journey. But back to uh, what we're here to talk about, which is Parkinson's and your work at the Michael J. Fox Foundation. How did you become interested in the field of Parkinson's research? Yeah, it's a great question. When, uh, you know, before I was working at the foundation, I was actually working at a cancer hospital up in Boston doing, uh, doing some research. And I loved working in the field of oncology, um, but I was looking for a change, looking for a different kind of challenge. And the thing that I love uh, about working at the foundation and about working in uh, the Parkinson's field, you know, there's so much more to learn. 
in oncology, we've learned a lot already. And there's, of course, more to study and more to learn. But we have so much to do in the Parkinson's field, so much more to learn. And, and in ways, we're behind where other diseases are in their research, like oncology, like cancer. So it's really a, a challenge um, that I wanted to kind of step up to and be able to, to um, help make an impact in that way. And I think the Fox Foundation is really oriented towards breaking down the barriers towards finding the next big discovery and finding a cure. Yeah, they certainly do amazing work that um, Shake It Up Australia is very proud and grateful to be a partner with. So tell us about your role at the foundation and what it involves. Absolutely. And, and I have to say to your last comment, we are so thrilled to continue to work at a, a work with the Shake It Up Foundation as well. Everyone has been a fantastic partner um, and to be able to work together to tackle some of these challenges that we'll talk about um, with the Australian Parkinson's Genetics Study, it's really an honor to be able to work with them. My role in particular, um, I'm the program lead for the Global Parkinson's Genetics Program. What that means is that I see the operate, oversee the operations and the implementation of what we do in GP2 really all across the world. The Fox Foundation is the implementation partner for GP2. So it means that uh, we are really responsible for, for enacting the vision and making sure that it's carried through. Um, and we work really closely with scientific partners, um, specifically our PIs at the National Institutes of Health, um, but really all over the world. And so my job is to, to work with our scientific folks make sure that we are enacting a strategy and, and operations and implementation that will bring us towards our ultimate goal. It's a lot of fun. I get to work with people all over the world. I'm very fortunate that I get to travel all over the world, uh, hopefully Australia at some point. It's really been on my bucket list. And so, yeah, I truly feel so fortunate being able to work in GP2. It's just a fantastic program. Yes, please come and visit and time it when it's um, your winter and you can come and have summer here uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. It sounds like a very important and high-pressure job. What exactly is GP2? Like, break down exactly what that project is you're working on. Yeah, GP2 or, or the Global Parkinson's Genetics Program is really this massive worldwide undertaking to redefine the way that we think about the biology of Parkinson's disease and to put it in a global context. And so what we're doing is working truly in, in um, over 60 countries at the moment to better understand how Parkinson's disease genetics manifest all across the world. Um, we're collecting DNA and clinical data from over 200,000 individuals and putting together the largest data resource that will exist in genetic data of Parkinson's disease, uh, people with Parkinson's disease, and unaffected controls so that we can really better query these emerging questions that we have about the biology of Parkinson's disease. And ultimately, what we think we can do is create this worldwide community that is asking and answering all of these scientific questions about PD, um, but also you know, bringing people together. What I think GPG does really well is collaborate and create connections between people across the world that might not have had the opportunity to work together otherwise. And so it's a really, really exciting, uh, exciting program. And we have so much to do. We're really just getting started. 
That sounds so brilliant. I think what you said about like bringing that community together. I know the Parkinson's community, people that live with the disease feel like stronger having had that camaraderie through it. And so I'm sure on the research side of it, you know, you're only stronger and better for having more people and more information around you. Yeah, absolutely. I think a perfect example, you know, in just a couple of weeks, we're getting 275 people from GP2 together in Copenhagen uh, for our annual meeting. We'll have people from over 50 countries there representing truly, you know, so many of the studies that we're incorporating into GP2 across the world. And for people to come together and, and just talk um in fact, our meeting last year was such a hit. We weren't going to do another one this year, and everyone said, no, no, you have to. We all need to see each other again in a year. Um, and so we're, we're so, so excited about it. Okay, Copenhagen sounds brilliant. I wish I could come. Very, very jealous. Uh, but glad the event is going ahead for a second year running. So you have a focus on ensuring underrepresented groups participate in this kind of research you're doing. Why is that so important? Yeah, it's such an important question. And when I mentioned what GP2 is doing in a global context, the idea of diversity in research is so important. When we look historically at the research that's been done in Parkinson's disease and Parkinson's disease genetics, it's overwhelmingly done on people of European ancestry, Caucasian people. And so when we think about then the, uh, the drugs that are made, the therapies, all of the research has been done simply on one population. And we want to make sure all ancestries are included in the research that we're doing. Um, and so it, it's so important that as we have some hints that the structure and the genetics of Parkinson's disease may look different in different ancestries, we really have to be able to query that to understand what it means for people with Parkinson's disease. So we have set up programs truly all around the world to better understand PD and specific ancestries in Central and South America, in India, in Sub-Saharan Africa and South Africa, in Australia, like the program that we'll talk about, in South Asia, in East Asia, I could go on. And, and this is really what we see as our remit, to make sure that we have ancestral diversity included in everything that we do. And, and so it's so, so key and so critical. And at the same time, we're also working on um, making sure that we give back to the communities that we are working with in underrepresented populations across the world. We think it's so important to include researchers that we're working with all across the world. Um, and not only are we uh, helping with inclusion, but we're also working on training programs where we have training programs set up for uh, researchers from underrepresented populations to help train them and become the next generation of clinicians, of neuroscientists and researchers um, in their communities. So if, the, if my understanding is correct, does this mean that not only will, I guess, like that healthcare be more accessible to underrepresented communities, but maybe even more targeted, targeted to specific communities and their genetic needs or things like that? Is that sort of where you're aiming for the research to not just be so European based, but to be really more culturally diverse and therefore be able to treat people more specifically? You hit it exactly on the nose, Amy. We're starting to think about what this could mean for precision medicine, for example. And while this might be a long ways off still in Parkinson's disease, having these genetic discoveries is the first step on that road when we think about making better targets, better therapies. Um, one example that 
who is, is really proud of recently, actually, our first major discovery was a genetic variant in people of West African ancestry that's really not observed in people of any other ancestry. We looked at DNA we collected of people in Nigeria, as well as Black Americans in the United States, and found a genetic variant in the GBA gene that has not been seen before in people of other ancestries. And I think this is really a proof of concept or a call to action as to why we need to include people of all ancestries in research. If you exclude people, you will simply miss very, very important signals or findings. Yeah, I can't, it must have been so exciting for you guys in the lab to discover something brand new and, there, and also have that validation of this pathway we're going down is so meaningful and necessary. Absolutely. And, and I mentioned the National Institutes of Health before. Uh, I'm, I would be completely remiss if I didn't talk about our co-PIs, Andy Singleton and Cornelis Blauendrat, who are really leading this effort scientifically um, they've put so much work into all of these findings, and we think that there are going to be more as we continue to get more and more DNA samples into the program. So with all of the hard work that you and the teams around you are doing, what is your hope for, I guess, Parkinson's research and therefore Parkinson's treatment and ultimately cure in the future? Yeah, I, you know, I think that as we start to have these new discoveries, I think it's twofold. One, it really underscores the need for diversity in research. Um, and not just in uh, in, in a, a study like GP2 or a program like what we're doing, but in uh, in research being done by industry, by pharmaceutical companies, right? As we make these discoveries, we hope that the companies that are actually making the therapies that will benefit people with Parkinson's disease think about how to diversify their own research efforts. And at the same time, we also hope that this will just lead to the creation of better therapies. If we understand the genetics better, we can understand better the targets that these drugs are um, are working on. We can have better therapies that will help treat people better at the end of the day. Is age diversity something that you're looking at as well? Because I know we've had people on in the past that have talked about a lot of research is done with people in the latter stages of their life. And we obviously know young onset Parkinson's is a very real part of this community. So is that a factor in your research as well? Absolutely. As we are looking to find potential mutations that we don't know about yet in Parkinson's disease, we're particularly interested in people with young onset Parkinson's disease, people that have onset perhaps before the age of 45 or 50. Um, and so there is a specific uh, working group or task force within GP2 that's studying exactly this. What, what are the genetic implications for people with young onset Parkinson's disease or potentially familial Parkinson's disease? And um, what are the unknown mutations that are out there that we don't know about yet and that we simply have not had enough data to say anything with certainty? Um, and so this is something that GP2 is really working on as well. So you guys are working in conjunction with an Australian study at the moment. Tell us about that and then maybe how our listeners can get involved if they would like to. Yes, so we have been so excited to work with the Shake It Up Foundation and the, uh, the fantastic team at QIMR Berghofer Medical Research Institute in Brisbane to help start up the Australian Parkinson's Genetics Study. When Miguel came to us, they had already collected about 1,500 samples that they contributed to GP2, but said, we think we can do a lot more. Um, and so they set out the goal of collecting samples from over 20,000 people in Australia with a specific focus um, on diversity in Australia. And when we look 
at the population demographics in Australia. It's actually in the top 10 uh, countries outside of East Asia um, with the largest population of people that have immigrated or have ancestries um, from China, from Malaysia, from other um, uh, East Asian or Southeast Asian countries. Right now, GP2 is working really hard on increasing our sample diversity from East Asia. So we thought that this was a great opportunity um, to work really closely with a fantastic team in Brisbane to help meet both of our goals. Um, so far, Miguel and his team have actually collected nearly 6,000 cases of people with Parkinson's disease and almost 2,000 unaffected controls. So they're doing fantastic on their goals. Um, and they're increasing their outreach in various languages. So recently there's been a campaign in, done in Mandarin, in Cantonese, and also working to uh, reach out to the local and Aboriginal folks in Australia to see if they might be able to partic participate in this study. All of these data are being contributed to GP2 and will really be an immense immense help on our way towards 200,000 and on our way towards having real representative diversity. Um, for people that are in Australia, sign up, take part in this research study. Um, it's happening by a mail-out. You can participate entirely remotely with a saliva kit. It may seem like it's just one person uh, and one saliva kit, but each one helps us on our way to our goal. So we really uh, love and appreciate everyone that's willing to participate in this research study. It sounds great. And again, people's fundraising efforts, if they don't live with Parkinson's, this is the kind of research that all of your hard work and donations is going towards. So we thank the community for getting behind it in any way that they can. If someone is not from Australia, how can they be involved in your global research? We're looking for people with Parkinson's and, and people without Parkinson's in studies all across the world. The best thing that you can do is participate in research studies. There are so many studies happening all across the world, like I mentioned, and GP2 is working on bringing them together all into one place. Um, and for folks that might not be interested in participating in research, there are so many ways to get involved with the Michael J. Fox Foundation, and I'm sure the Shake It Up uh, uh, Foundation in Australia, just as well uh, on our websites, ways to follow along and, and help get the word out about the fantastic research that we're doing. But our number one ask is to always consider participating in research wherever you are in the world. Well, that's a pretty good ask, and I um, echo those sentiments. If you are a researcher uh, working in the Parkinson's or movement disorder space, how can they get involved in GP2? Because we want to be coming at this from every angle. Yeah, absolutely. GP2 is still growing. We're still early on in our program and we're always looking for new researchers to join our consortium. And there's a couple ways to do it. Um, if you are a researcher doing Parkinson's disease studies, you could possibly contribute your cohort to GP2 by contributing DNA samples. Um, whether you have 100 DNA samples or 1,000, we're always looking to get more studies incorporated in GP2 and help us on our goal of reaching 200,000. But at the same time, we also want people to use the data that we're producing. All of our data will be open access available to any qualified researcher, de-identified data, of course. Um, uh, and we want people to be able to use these data to study, you know, do studies that help us better understand Parkinson's disease genetics. We can't do this alone. And so we want our researcher community to continue to grow and help us with these analyses. Um, and there's always space for any new researcher that wants to come in and, and join our program. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Jay. Best of luck with the research and the run in October, uh, but we appreciate you uh, sharing what you guys are up to and um, look forward to more partnerships in the future. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk about this and I'd love to have the opportunity to come back when we know even more about the genetics of PP. We'll just record it in person when you're in Australia. Deal. You've got a deal. (laughs) Thanks for listening to today's episode. Shake It Up Australia funds groundbreaking Australian research that aims to slow, stop and cure Parkinson's disease. And they need your help. To support Shake It Up's vision of a world without Parkinson's, head to shakeitup.org.au forward slash podcast. Together, we can find a cure.